Every passionate follower of Jesus has a deep desire to share their faith with others. How do we make and multiply disciples around the block and around the world? How do we do it at a rate that can compete with population growth, a growing secular culture, and 40% of the world considered completely unreached? With host Doug Lucas of Team Expansion, Lee Wood of One Body Church, John Hirima of Big Life, Roger Shull of E3 Partners, and special guests from around the world, we'll explore how believers can come together to make more disciples. Welcome to the More Disciples Podcast. in a series where we're talking about the seven movement principles that Lee has learned in seven years of pursuing movement. And today, the principle that we're talking about is the importance of obeying and training others. So obeying movement principles and training others to obey movement principles. And I'm excited to announce our guest today or introduce our guest today is a friend of mine, Burke Wilson. So he a while ago, started a church that meets at NC State University in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, um, but it reaches the whole community. Uh, they started a number of years ago, but now has shifted to almost being like their their Sunday service is like a celebration of all the area churches, as they call them, that have started throughout the campus and the community. But not only that, they have frequently launched their greatest multipliers to other college campuses to replicate the same thing. And uh, Burke is pretty modest, so he probably wouldn't tell you that he's been training all across Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, even uh, having influence overseas as well. And so I'm really happy to introduce him in that way. But I also want to give a personal introduction to him because uh, when I, uh, Burke and his wife and his church helped lead me to Christ. And right when I started following Jesus, Burke within a few weeks, took me out gospel sharing on the college campus. And people that he had trained and, and their people they had trained also started teaching me principles of discovery Bible study, the three-thirds, things like this. So I probably wouldn't even be on this podcast today if it wasn't for Burke. And so I think he's a great person to talk about obeying, training others, because I've witnessed it with my own eyes. He he obeyed, and he, uh, he trained me, and he's trained many, many others. So it's probably a longer introduction than we usually give, but Burke, why so don't you like give a, a few? You're like a Timothy there, like wow. Roger. Like this is the model on we're, here is like Burke and his Roger. wife into Roger. This is super cool. Hey, Roger, how yeah. long ago was that? <laughs> I was not nine years ago. Now I came to Christ. So. I wasn't uh, born awesome. yet. I wasn't even born. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, they always. I was about to say that Burke started the church when I was in elementary school, but I try to always. refrain on making. Oh, uh, you're jokes. trying always. to improve because you're always making fun of the older people Burke, on this podcast, Roger. This is a repetitive. So a re- I would yeah. say, like now with Burke on here, we could be the four dinosaurs and Roger. Oh, how did Robert end me? I'm, I was trying to avoid it. You guys brought it up. You guys want to brought it up. So. Well, Roger, you guys all, you know, thank you all so much. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of just a thought came to me like with Roger and him running cross country and he just was always um, going around barefoot. He, he does wear shoes every now and then now, but uh, just even remembering <laughs> back then just how beautiful are his feet and he brings <laughs> good news. And Prophetic. so, uh, you know, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it was, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's, it's neat how God just seems to run you into exciting people and neat people that he's going to use. And, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's exciting to see God move like that. So thank you. Yeah. So why don't you maybe give an intro of how you got started learning about movement principles and then maybe what, what is God doing today through you, Burke? Maybe you could kind of catch us up on 
yeah, how you got started and what's going on now. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. I, you know, I, this, uh, you know, one thing, I don't know whether y'all, um, have heard about the, the bamboo, um, the, you know, just how the, the seed of the Chinese bamboo, how it's watered for years. And then, um, a, after just can't stand soft and, and moist in the soil, then it just shoots up. And, uh, I, uh, I think even early, even early in our marriage, Barbara and I have been married for over 40 years, and we were challenged with God's heart to reach the nations. Uh, when I was in finishing up grad school at Clemson University, don't hold that against me um, if you're an Ohio State fan. Um, but, uh, you know, we, um, <laughs> we, we kind of began to understand that God wanted more than just fellowships and he wanted um, to multiply disciples and and we uh, we were trying as hard as we could to try to figure it out and uh, then about I'd say probably about 10 or 11 years ago a friend of mine um, uh, recommended uh, reading T for T and uh, then I went down to Florida for a weekend conference where I met Jeff Sundell and started seeing how this was uh, feasible. I mean, we, we'd always kind of believed that, yeah, the, the only way to really impact the nations was through multiplication. Uh, but um, our way of multiplying was kind of like the gestation period of an elephant. Um, and, you know, the disciples we'd see saved, you know, it'd take about two, maybe three years for them to finally gain, gain the confidence to um, start sharing their faith. So it was a kind of a long process. And then Jeff kind of reminded me it was a lot simpler and and just uh, get you know trim our gospel presentation down, trim up a little other details, and and uh, like uh, expecting them to um, know the gospel, to share the gospel with their friends and family, and and to do it in a simpler, um, quicker biblical way. And so about yeah, I'd say about ten or twelve years ago, we shifted gears and and um, kind of declared that our home groups were really churches. That's where you did church. And our Sunday morning was merely a gathering uh, of uh, those involved with our area churches and area churches in which we, we call them area churches, churches that had a specific area, whether it was campus or apartments, or we kind of said, well, yeah, the, the trunk of our tree was going to be campus. You know, the whole ma mantra, change the campus, change the world. And so uh, we um, knew the value of uh, connecting with uh, next generation leaders, like with Roger and others, um, his sister, Renee, and, and uh, her, her husband, David, and um, others. So we uh, just always kind of had the trunk of the tree be campus, but the fruit falling where it may. And some would fall um, close to campus, some would fall um, into apartments or neighborhoods, um, some would fall in other parts of the city or other cities or other countries. But uh, we always, I still have the thought, you know, still focus on campus, internationals, and um, the next generation. So that's um, kind of uh, my background and, and kind of an intro for me. Um, yeah, about Barbara and I, we've got six sons, and they're all over the place. Um, and all of them are, are following the Lord to their various degrees. Uh, some are more into disciple making. Uh, others are just... Um, you know, uh, they can declare Christ, they can, um, you know, defend, uh, they're, they're not as eager to make disciples as, uh, as maybe, uh, myself and Barbara and others. So, yeah, that's kind of my life in a nutshell. 
Burke, that's great. In line with uh, our topic today, can you at all speak into how your uh, ministry is different because of the emphasis on uh, helping people obey rather than just soak it in and, and academically learn? What, what do you think? Well, yeah, that's, you know, the, the phrase, I, you know, I've been thinking about even recently that um, we want to really have a craving to do God's word rather than just know God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing is important, but if you, if you, you know, as you know, if you don't do it, you're going to deceive yourself. The devil doesn't need to work with us if we're just storing up knowledge and, and, and that's, uh, and really think, okay, uh, and what I've, ju- I've just read, what am I going to do? And, and just even the, even the challenge of accountability the, with our church and our church members, the saints of our, our church, the, uh, the expectation is that, yeah, you're, you're going to be listening to God and his word every day, but also you, you need to be thinking it through and thinking, what are you going to do in light of this? And, uh, and it just changes everything. As, as you know, I mean, if, um, I mean, I, even I was talking with somebody the other day who has a friend who's really struggling with uh, a lot of doubts and insecurities. And I just happened to ask the question, I said, well, has the person been baptized yet? He's been a believer for over 20 years. Has he been baptized yet? And uh, my friend said, well, no, I don't think he has. Mm. I said, well, you know, I've just seen that if we're not willing to obey quickly, it is going to have an impact uh, on our doubts and insecurities. And like I said, you know, from James, if we're not deciding to be doers of the word, we're going to deceive ourselves. So, I mean, just having that expectation, but also the, through the years, um, you know, we've had people leave. They thought, you know, where well, you're legalistic, you're, and maybe let's be honest, maybe sometimes it's appeared to be legalistic. I mean, we've tried to communicate, no, we're saved by the grace of God, but because of God's grace, we need to be doers. And it's because of the, I'd say the American Christianity mindset that, um, Hey, yeah, I, I can go, I can get information and, and, that that's kind of where I am. And that's, I got, I got a, I have a, that's sort of a two part question around that Burke. It's so awesome, encouraging to have you on the podcast, but the principle that basically that we're talking about today is obey and train others. And it comes from Matthew um, five nineteen. And so my story is kind of like yours. I got seven and a half years ago, somebody shared with me, and this is one that stood out pretty quickly and Matthew 5:19 says so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven but anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them to be called great will be called great in the kingdom of heaven so i guess my um my question is is facing the challenge of the inertia of the western way of what teaching versus training is actually obeying and passing on for others to do. How have you addressed that? Because obviously it seems like you have, because people are obeying, you can see fruit from those things. How did you like press into that at first um, with um, overcoming, I guess, the challenge of people thinking that teaching was just intellectual ascent and not behavior and obedience by faith? Uh, that's a great question. I, um, I, I have to attribute it to just understanding the, um, the, the pattern of care or the three thirds process. Um, 
the when when we first uh, like ten years ago, right after we met with Jeff. I mean, Jeff, we met met most of our leaders met Jeff in Florida. Then he came up here for we had our own little weekend, and then we gathered all our home group leaders, and we just said, "No longer are you leaders; you are trainers." I mean, even just changing that and just saying you are to train the people in your home group, and now these are churches. And that, that's even been, even still, there are still people who are calling them home groups. They, they don't, uh, there are some who don't want to really embrace it as church, or they they oh, yes, church, but they call it home group. I mean, nomenclature is important. Uh, but, but we did gather all those men together, and we said, you are now trainers. You, you, you have got to ask these questions, and you, you've got to be specific. Uh, you, you've... Um, so that was one thing. And then um, making sure that all of our trainers were actually in the harvest, that, um, that they were either working their oikos, but if they weren't working their oikos or for some reason that wasn't happening, then we would team up and we would take them out into a, an area and we'd say, well, we're going to practice this. And then, uh, you know, just, Making sure it all worked with the, the people who were being looked to as the influencers, were they understanding they needed to be one, be trained, and two, they were actually training a few. They wanted to have the expectation that everybody in their church would train, but they would start listening to, well, who really was um, in the word, who really was trying to obey. I don't know what that answers your question. Oh, it does. So you're basically saying, like, you started with what you had, and, like, you guys got to obey. And you're training others immediately, and then like everything else, um, stuff the Lord gives the increase, and the enemy fights against it. So it's really encouraging uh, to hear you sharing those things. I, I would say this: sometimes what we have fought against is transfer growth. People from other churches they they initially like, but then they kind of say, "Well, let's change this and change that," and just. Sometimes you got to have some blunt conversations and say, this is our game play playbook and, and we, we want you to work with us. But if not, maybe there's another church in the area that you're better off. I mean, with, uh, yeah, but we do find that those who come out of sin, whether they're believers who've gotten caught in sin and then they, they really repent or whether they're believer, I mean, they, they get saved. They seem to grasp it a lot quicker than those who just kind of yeah. transfer yeah, I say giving birth is easier than raising the dead, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, Burke, I got a question for you. Um, you know, so many times when we see movements overseas, it's because of immediate obedience. And, and you know, we hear so many people talk about that uh, they gain their understanding through their obedience. you think that's one of the roadblocks here in the West is that people feel like they need to understand it before mm. they're willing to be obedient and, uh, and practice it? Yeah, I mean, again, and even let's face it, sometimes being in an academic world with my, you know, being around college students, and there, it, it is kind of like knowledge is king, and it's not application is king. And, and so that, that, um, that you're fighting against that. And, and, and so, um, yeah, it's just so easy to think that I, if I know it in my head, I know it. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's, we, we, you know, like the, Psalm uh, 111.10, a good understanding, have all those who do my commands. If you really want to understand, you've got to be a doer, and you've got to actually put it into practice. And that, that it can even get down to 
Are you really forgiving your roommate? Are you washing your roommate's dishes? I mean, little things like that, not just getting the gospel, but, but understanding how to forgive and that, um, you know, you just, you know, how to, you know, even turn the, your, your, um, the media off so that you're not tempted um, in immorality. Uh, little things like that, that that's an expectation that you got to be a doer. And it's as you obey, like the 10 lepers, they all started to obey Jesus. But, uh, and as they obeyed, they were cleansed. And then one came back to thank him. But, but yeah, just having that example and reminded people that it's the doers who um, have the deeper understanding. So I, for me, John 14, 21 encapsulates that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to speak over your right. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So the manifestation, the presence of God, the realization of that is contingent upon our obedience um, to him. Go ahead, Roger. Yeah, I was, uh, well, I, I love all the scripture. I actually, uh, you know, I love even Burke quoting some Psalm 110, I believe it was. So this is a, also a little known, little known fact about Burke is he could probably explain how to start a disciple making and church planning movement exclusively with the Old Testament. He's got all the principles are there too. He's um, always big, like Burke for your disciple. He doesn't seem to have much respect for the elders, so to speak. <laughs> well, I was trying to. Okay, well, I was trying to honor, but um, I'm just teasing what? you, bro. <laughs> I just wanted to ask. This is what my original question I was wanting to get to is Burke. I know that you, you know, I mean, I talked about how you you took me out of gospel sharing when I first came to Christ, and then um, uh, uh, Ross Thomas really helped help lead the way on on showing me as well. Um, but I know that what impacted me was when you initially were taking me out gospel sharing, you also said, I go four times a week. So I knew that you were obeying and doing it. So not only were you training me, I was like, oh man, not only is he training me, he's, he's doing way more, you know? Um, so it really stuck with me and I knew that you were leading uh, home church or home groups or area churches and, you know, even, you know, leading the Sunday time too. And now all of those things have multiplied in one way or another, even generationally. Um, and I think part of it is because you are personally obeying and then training others and they obey and train others and then they obey and train others. So I didn't know if you had any stories that really sticks out to you of even how the obedience and training has moved downstream to, to discipleship uh, in, that, in those ways that you could share with all of us. Great question. Well, um, yeah, I, there, there, there are several. Um, I... Uh, uh, and, and it's kind of interesting, too. It's as we really decide to train somebody, it's almost like the Lord just opens up avenues. Like sometimes I'll go out and share the gospel and I won't see anything. I mean, I'll, I'll just see a lot of red lights, red light, red lights. But it's almost like when I, um, I, I'll, I'll go and I'll say, hey, let's, let's you know, kind of the, the mall, the model assist, watch and leave or let go. Um, and uh, when I, when I kind of in, in that situation, it's like the Lord just opens up and like I was, uh, there was um, one, um, there was a mom and she wanted to learn how to do this. And she said, Hey, I've got some time. So we, we went out and uh, there was this um, young lady, Alex, um, that uh, engineer. So if you know anything about engineers, they're pretty much introvert. And she was, she was an extreme introvert. And Alex, you know, we went through the, the gospel. At that time, we, were, we weren't using three circles. We were using the simple bridge diagram, the Romans 623. And, um, well, she gave her life to Christ. And then right away, uh, we, 
um, went back to, you know, um, you know, talking to her about uh, Matthew 28 and, and the importance of her making disciples. And she gave a, a list of about four or five people and, and she drew the, the and explained the uh, Romans 623 back. And, and then, um, the, then I, I didn't see her. I didn't see her for a week. I mean, every time I, I would try to get faith to get, um, connect with us and her. But then when we finally did get back, found out she had shared with all five people, two of them had come to know the Lord. And that, that she was just saying, okay, what do I do next? And then uh, she and faith started going out. And, uh, and then they met this girl, Rachel Sperlin, who, um, you know, had, was a believer, but I would say an orphan. She had no um, family uh, connection. Then she started to learn how to make disciples. And now um, she's uh, getting her PhD in chemistry down in Georgia. Um, and so she's uh, part of, uh, you know, seeing uh, disciples made down um, while she's uh, in uh, grad school at Emory. And um, so uh, that's one story. I mean, just again, the, the thought, another one is uh, Darren Williams. Uh, he, he is now uh, with the team that went to Charlotte, but uh, his, his sophomore year, I just, you know, uh, approached him. I said, hey, you know, hey, just come follow me. Just come watch me for a little bit. And then slowly kind of had him train, and then he trained Zach, and then Zach trained Faith. And, um, and then Faith, I mean, she's got a line of, of um, disciples, uh, Natalie and, and uh, Olivia, and, and uh, just, I mean, just – She's fruitful as can be. So it all kind of started Darren and Zach and, and then, uh, you know, Faith. And then also um, Zach trained Trent, who eventually married Faith. And, and then, you know, he, he was making disciples and then Paxton. And, and uh, I'm giving you a lot. I mean, like a lot of it is just kind of getting time with them and showing them that it, it's easy to, to transition from just a, a conversation to a gospel to even asking. The biggest hurdle well, a lot, a lot of people I've found is they can share the gospel, but they, they just haven't seen how to um, transition to asking the person, would you like to open up your life to Christ now? And, um, but like, uh, you know, training Matthew and then Matthew training Tresson and then Tresson training um, Jake and Chris and then uh, they're going on. And so th those are just, uh, um, I'm not even talking about what my wife is doing, but um, th those are kind of like just making sure that you're, training, not just how to transition a conversation, the gospel, but how do you do an immediate follow-up? Um, and do you pop in on them when they're doing their um, three-thirds process? Again, we, we had to start calling it pattern of care because people didn't like being a part of a process. And so it's kind of, all right, what do we call it? We call it pattern of care. Some of the other, a lot of the other principles are all wrapped up in here, like it's relational before it's organizational. So that concept of like, hey, this is not a process. It's a relational intimacy with God and with one another, and we're obeying Jesus as our King. So these are the things that they, that they all go together across all the movements. And so one of my things, uh, two-part question, I guess, is in Tampa, where we started, we didn't start um, basically with any, with any existing um, church at all. It was just my wife, Stacy and I from our home. And um, I never knew of any other church, but I think it's interesting. We're still churches in the church. Like the church there is the same as the church here, obeying and training others to do that. So first part of the question I'd like to ask is, how do you think that we do a better job of 
we're both doing the same thing, but one completely from the harvest. And then you actually had some infrastructure that you started obeying from, because I think it's challenging. It's, I think it's actually easier to do what we did because there's no reformation of infrastructure. So what would your advice be to other pastors or church leaders or elders, okay, that have some existing infrastructure to actually obeying the way you did? So speaking to them, okay? And then I think the the flip side of that question is I'd like to, the the second part is uh, where you talked about getting to church formation from a very micro level and the importance of that, of actually identifying as churches and the church and how you're obeying and training to that. If you can remember both parts of that question, that, that'll be awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. I'll, I'll focus on the first one, then you can re-ask the second. Okay, okay, Roger, remember the second question I asked for me, please. <laughs> All right, it's locked in there. Thank you. My young brain's got it. <laughs> you know, I will have to say that um, – yeah, we had an existing structure, but most of those guys, God had allowed me to disciple, um, either lead to the Lord or to catch them when they were freshmen, and they, they had kind of grown up. And we, we, um, we moved up from Clemson. There were Barbara and I and, and Luke, and she was pregnant with John, and another couple, Tommy and Kathy DeWitt, and we just started you know, sewing and gathering. And, and so we were doing that. But once we had kind of an existing structure, it was like I, my, my first response to pastors with existing churches, find the, the three to 10 that really have a heart for the Lord and the lost and the body. Um, if you can find even just, you know, one or two will say, let's do this. Kind of, I, if uh, you know, just let's let's do this, um, and, and let's let's just model it for the rest of the church, and it'll it'll catch. So you're saying start with the few who will obey, no matter what the cost. Amen and amen. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and but also, I think we, you know, I think in the West, and I I had to go through this. See, I, I kind of grew up spiritually that the way you disciple somebody is that you met over coffee and you talked about quiet times and you talked about prayer needs and you very seldom really talked about the loss, but eventually you'd, you'd pray. And that, that's kind of a, but, but when you really look at Jesus's style of discipleship and Matthew Staples was really good with, for me because I was meeting one-on-one with him. And he said, Burke, he said, where do you see in the gospels that Jesus met one-on-one with guys? He said, the only time I see he met one-on-one was when he reproved Peter. And we don't know whether he really, uh, we know he pulled him aside, but he said most of the time Jesus was, you know, with two or three and they weren't, you you know, you know, he was real good about it. He said, you know, they were probably having fireside chats, but what's recording the scripture that they were out and about. And so the the whole thing changing my mind uh, set awesome. about discipleship that even though maybe discipleship you know over coffee and that's fun and it has its place uh, but real discipleship is when you are taking your your friends out you know 
uh, advancing the kingdom of God. Hey, hey Burke, don't you like, don't you like is stood out in a, in a, in a, in a home church the other day and I've heard his story, but don't you like where he calls, um, Peter and Simon, he says, follow me and I'll take you to become, I'll make you to become fishers of men. And immediately after they obey him, he does it again with James and John. He shows them immediately right after that, the same thing that you're talking about. Yeah, That's really cool, man. So I, you're making me get excited. I'm always pretty much excited, Burke, but I'm about ready to get like seriously excited, like just listening to you because it's like setting, it's like pouring gasoline on people that actually see the faithfulness of our Lord to, to give the increase and like the Holy Spirit jumping up inside of you as you're just like, whoa, I, I can obey that. I can do this. We can do it together. Yeah. And I'll even add too one thing I've learned sometimes early, I, I had the mindset, I've got to train the younger ones, but then I started realizing, no, I need to keep going out with my leaders, my trainers, I just for the disciple, just to have the fun. I mean, just so that in one sense, we're just having fun together. And we're having fun around the kingdom, but but kind of having I'm bringing people along, but also I'm maintaining the the who are the who are my peers that we're still um, in the gospel with. Yeah, can you unpack that a little bit more? Because for me, in the side of the principle, obey and train others is you never get past obedience. If we're not actually doing it, we can't train. Like that piece. So I really hear that resonating from you and your wife from your home is we can't pass on what we don't possess. Could you unpack just what you said a little bit more inside of that and how that actually gets passed on to others? Because it's part of obey and train others. You got to keep doing it. It doesn't just go away, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the, once it's the, the twofold part of discipleship, discipleship is bringing the next generation up. And we're, we're modeling and assisting and watching and leaving um, the skill for another skill, but also to maintain that with your, your um, leaders, uh, your fellow leaders, that you're still out in the gospel with them. Just, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're, so you're having, we, we, you know, like when Roger said, when I first met him, I was out four times a week. Well, sometimes it was with new people. Sometimes it was with my current um, home uh, church trainers. And just uh, to where we could just maintain the connection there. You know, if I could uh, jump in for a second and remember that that second question that that Lee yeah, had asked. Don't forget that because I've forgotten it already. <laughs> <laughs> I had it locked in. Don't worry. Uh, but you even just just briefly mentioned it as well. I mean, just as Lee was saying, you've got to keep on doing it yourself and not stop. But you just even mentioned how you know these are your your area church leaders that you're going out and gospel sharing with. But I know that like you don't just obey in the gospel sharing realm, but you obey in the discipleship realm and church realm um, and keep on doing it. Um, so I don't know if you could speak to the importance of that. Like even what what's the importance of you have the Sunday church, you know, Sunday gathering, but you have the area churches that meet in homes or meet in dorms or meet in wherever around the community. The importance of, of doing that uh, in a Western context, but even the importance of uh, you continuing to obey in that area and being a part of that and training others in that regard. A lot of that has to do with um, what I do. Uh, like with Tresson and Paxton and Zach, we'll, we will get lunch and we will find out what's going on. And, and then also I will pop in to their area church and see how they're interacting and and, um, you know, there's just a lot of life on life as far as having them over 
to have supper, um, you know, serving them, uh, you know, being, um, being around them and just being aware of now I'm trying to focus to where like the, the, the one, three, nine. So, um, I, I'm, but, but like with the three, I'm probably more in tune with their life and their lifestyle. Uh, and yeah, we do have lunch on a regular basis, the three of us together. Also, um, there'll be an, another set of three that we have the to, uh, lunch together. Um, even, um, when I uh, go, I'll go down to Charlotte and I'll catch Darren and Keegan together. And, and then I'll go, when I go to Athens or Florida, I'll kind of catch those um, trainers together. So I, I'll, I'll go and kind of visit for a day or two out of, t out of town. Uh, but so I'm, I'm not just getting them in the gospel, but I'm also finding out how their lives are doing, how their wives are doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of going from there. One thing, like, uh, I have tried to emphasize, and y'all know the stats. You know that even, a, well, you don't, uh, probably Roger and I know the stats of the Raleigh-Durham area. There are 2 million people um, here, but um, they're, they're about 100, uh, I mean, 1.5 million who will not attend the church anymore. I mean, they just won't go. And so, but most pastors when we, when we, we want people to come to our Sunday morning and, but we've got to realize um, that we just, we're not in that world anymore. We're, we're in a brand new world. And so what, what I've encouraged, like Rich Sapleta down in Athens, he, he, he got saved through a, a, a pastor who did go on campus. Rich was an atheist professor. He got saved. And, and so um, he really, he's loyal to David. Um, the pastor, and uh, but he approached David. And he said, "David, how about if I kind of run a parallel church that because I'm reaching people that will not come to Sunday morning. They're they're mainly internationals." Um, he said, "Also, they're students. They're kind of like more Samaritans than they are Jews." So he kind of used the Acts eight example, and he said, "Can we just run a parallel church and the leaders that start popping up?" from this parallel church, I'll connect them with you, but, but can we just do a parallel church and I, I'll still connect with you and, uh, and develop from there. And so from what I understand, David has finally said, Oh yeah, you can be a church without a direct elder there. And so he's very comfortable with what rich is doing because rich is having all kind of fruit and multiplication with uh, Chinese uh, grad students who've gone back to China and some have stayed in, at the UGA, but um, that that's really helped. And there's another guy in Greensboro who's approaching the same thing. Like, Hey, can, can you let me run a parallel church because college students are not going to come to this type of setting anymore. So if you can get them, I'm finding the same thing. And what's really helpful to me inside of this, uh, Burke is as someone that's doing the same thing in Tampa, but didn't start from the same place as you did. But I get to talk to some of those people now. And now I'm so grateful for your faithfulness because I can say, hey, here's Burke that started here and is saying exactly the same things that you can have a much larger churches and church 
outside of your Sunday morning gatherings or your multiple campus gatherings, and you can only reach a limited number of people, but these are still churches in the church. So that's tremendously helpful for someone that really didn't start that way. So is not much of a, doesn't, isn't a good model of that. And so you're being able to share that on here and, and freely the way that you are. And I just want to say thank you because that encourages me because I've been trying to do that same thing, but don't see much fruit from church as we know it or legacy toward that. So your story is tremendously encouraging. And I can actually pursue that parallel model in sharing with somebody and have a model to, to point to, man. So it's thank you so much, States. man. It's hard in the United States. Well, all of North America, because existing church leaders, uh, Burke, they don't want to give up that sense of control. They're afraid that those people will be out there somewhere and they won't. I don't know if it's that they're afraid they won't get their offering back or if they just they just don't like the idea that they're losing control. And they don't know if the doctrine will go awry. You know, they don't have any offering from them, man. How can they get it back? They didn't have any. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a question to uh, piggyback on, on Doug's is, uh, you know, that's the number one question that comes up all the time with all these home churches. What do you do with the funds? And that seems to be the biggest hang up a lot. So ours is, I, I don't want to speak to that. I want to get the church formation question answered, but like we're, we basically, John, you could actually sort of speak to that relationally, how we've been able to share and touch the world as home churches in significant ways inside of that. So I think there's a story that can be told of what being able to share um, as churches in the church. But if we could ask Burke that question about, church um form church formation and the importance of that quickly and how and and how he goes about that that would that would be good can you articulate my question any better roger <laughs> well did yeah it's just how do you how do you go from i guess lost to church maybe is is what you're asking lee if i'm understanding correctly yeah he's is, doing is that you... he's doing that really intentionally in parallel springs from the harvest from that stuff i, I really want to hear about that well, one, I think Roger probably has seen more fruit recently seeing that happen. I think initially we saw that happen. And then what happened, uh, some of the ones who were being the most fruitful, they moved to Charlotte, they moved to Virginia, um, they, they moved, they moved. And so it's, we're, we're kind of hitting a kind of a lull where we're, we're seeing professions and we're uh, so church formation is not happening as quickly as it used to. And so we're, I mean, I, Roger, I think you've done a great job of, of um, what's going on in Durham. Well, well I think I, I just want to clarify, they moved to Virginia and they moved to Charlotte. You guys sent them to Charlotte and you sent the team <laughs> to Virginia. And so not, they're maybe not starting churches in Raleigh anymore, but you sent the best, by the way. To Charlotte, and they are starting churches, and they are seeing people. Oh, that's multiplication. And now you're sending a team. Yeah, so that's why that's why I think is is important to recognize is all the way from entering lostness. Actually, even prayer. You know, I know you guys model prayer and and just being abiding in Christ. Well, uh, all the way to obeying, gospel sharing, discipleship, starting churches, developing leaders, and then even how to gather all those churches together to regularly meet as a whole whole uh, network of of churches. All of that has multiplied to other cities. So I guess, I, Burke, the, the micro level of that, how quickly, like if, if it's in a perfect world and it never is a perfect world, but from the time that you make a disciple that they're working their oikos 
to identifying as followers of Jesus as churches. How quickly do you uh, do, do you see that occurring, and and why is that important? I think that that's a great question, but it changes with with everybody. I mean, like with Alex, it was happening within a week. Mm. Um, some people it, uh, it it snaps a little bit; it takes a little bit longer because um, they're they've got just one. They don't have an oikos, you know, particularly college. I mean, everybody like right. there's one guy got saved. And I asked him, I said, give me a list of four or five people around you. And every one he named, there was back home in Charlotte. And I said, wait a minute, what, what about your hall? I mean, what about your class? He said, I don't know anybody. I said, what about your roommate? He said, we don't talk. And, and so we, we had to, with him, we had to start helping him just develop people skills of, of just having conversations. And so that, that's, uh, um, but like, even with Alex, yeah, I mean, um, even though she was introvert and she was extreme introvert, um, she, she cared enough about her family to bring it up. And I, I, I so that's, um, you, you kind of work, you, you pray for that super spreader. If I can use that term in COVID-19 era, um, you're, you're praying for that super spreader. Spread good things. Yeah. Spread good things. But uh, it might, might take you to see, it might be the first person you lead to Christ. It might be the 27th person you lead to Christ. And uh, you, just, you just keep believing. You keep helping the person. Uh, like, I, and I'll give you another example. This guy, Zach, uh, another Zach, not Zach Shepard. Uh, but uh, he would give me a list. And every time we'd get together, uh, he would say, yeah, I, I got to share my story but they didn't respond like that. And I wasn't sure. I, I kept asking. I said, well, let's, let's plan a time to just go out and let's kind of see what we can do with strangers. And he kept dragging his feet. Well, one time I did meet him for coffee. And so after the initial, hey, how was your week? How are your tests? Um, how is your family? I just turned the person to the next table and got into a conversation, got into prayer, got to the um, gospel, um, saw him pray to receive Christ, and, and did the uh, follow-up, uh, follow and he said, oh, my gosh, I'm late for my test. Took off, and then Zach said, oh, it's really that simple, isn't it? I said, yeah, it really is. So you, you just got to work with the person. I mean, you, you look for the people who will grab it quickly, but um, even church formation, um, like right now I'm working with a guy uh, that he's gathering his friends, um, but uh, he, he wouldn't call it church. Um, we we gotta start saying okay if you don't if you won't embrace it as church you're not a church you're a discovery Bible group or a DBS uh, but uh, you got to get to a point and, and we like to use Acts five where it says um, we must obey God and we'll say mm -hmm. look that's the difference between a church and a DBS that you're no longer an, as an individual trying to follow God but you are as a team are, are obeying God. That's good. But um, we'll, we'll use that, that story. But um, like with Zach, um, Faith, she had a couple of girls. They were meeting. Then Trent had a couple of guys he was meeting with doing a, a DBS. But they would also gra grab supper together. And then after supper, they started sharing the gospel together. And then before you know it, they, at supper, they said, hey, look, we're doing all the things of church do we want to be church? And so 
they decided, yeah, we're going to be church together. So we kind of merged them together. So I, I get your answer and I like it. And I'm trying to go someplace and to hear your answer is why do you think, I just want to hear your, why do you think it's important inside of all that as messy as chaotic for, for it to be the we, why do you think it's important to identify as churches and as the church? Why is that? Why is that important, Bert? Well, I think it's the body of Christ. I mean, Christ died for the church. Um, you know, when, when Jesus was here, he had a body that did exactly what he wanted to be done. And since Jesus is now in heaven waiting to return, we are that body. And so the manifold wisdom of God, Ephesians 3.10, is made known through the church. And so there's something unique about being, you know, again, the disciple didn't come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach me to pray. There's something about the dynamic of um, we rather than me. And, and and even our songs, let's, let's face it, a lot of our worship songs, it's all about me, my comfort, my, you know, my Savior. Yeah, he is my Savior, but if we're not making a transition from me to we, there, there's an aspect of, of God's manifold wisdom we're not going to see. I mean, think about it. Think, why, why, with all the fears that Paul should have had, what, what motivated him to actually pursue Church fellowship, not just Christian fellowship. You know, as a we 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 just so confused. You know, we think if we got a bunch of Christians who play basketball, that's fellowship. No, that's not fellowship. That's a bunch of Christians playing basketball. Now, it, you know, um, now that could be Christian fellowship, but um, but you know, there, there's I mean, what it, it what was so unique and so why was Paul so desperate to risk the fear of being himself beaten and ostracized. You know, he, there was something he knew and they knew about the, the being together, being united. And, and, and so the, the manifold wisdom of, of God is made known to the church. Um, and, and again, Ephesians, you know, we're, we're going to get to know the, the height and depth and breadth and um, width of God's love together. I, I don't know. That, those are kind of things that come to my mind and just, We've yeah, been thinking, given something to do that we can't do by ourselves. I'm thinking that we're brothers. I was an orphan. And um, I think that the, <laughs> the manifestation of the church is like, I realized I had a family when I came to faith in Jesus and that from micro from the church that meets in my home to the same thing in Tampa, 3.5 million people. But we have um, churches in Pinellas County, Hillsborough County, Pasco County is we're doing the same thing in North Carolina as churches in the church as my brother is in North Carolina with one another. And um, I get the sense from the Holy Spirit as it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And um, Paul talked about daily the care of the churches. So if you could grow a beard, um, Burke, and grow just a little bit of hair, we'd even Twins. look like we'd even look like brothers, man. <laughs> and uh, even to speak to that a little bit more, if I if I could, I think one thing when I was graduating college. So by that point, you I graduated. I graduated. <laughs> oh wow! I look. I look, I'm young, not that young. Got uh, got past that milestone. Um, but uh, 
there's some gaps in the story, but at one point I was basically like, man, I can do this better on my own than with you guys. And so I kind of was like, all right, Burke, you know, see, I'm going to do this on my own. Uh, and just Grace Church, I'm going to gonna do it on my own. And I don't know why, but for some reason, close to graduation, Burke had a bunch of people over at his house, I guess to vision cast all the like the seniors. Uh, and I and I remember the vision cast was he drew out this circle that we call the church circle that shows church health from Acts 2. Yep. And he said, the all right, guys, thing. that's the, what the church is. Um, so I encourage you guys, when you graduate, don't just join a church, start a church. And I, I don't know how many people take him up on that, on that vision, but I know I think that's another way that Burke has obeyed and trained others is to, to push that. Um, you know, never, never bashing the church that exists. But like he said, just, just, if we're going to reach everyone, we got to start something new. And, and even right now when I'm in, in Durham, which is, you know, right next to Raleigh, uh, my, my friend, Sarah, she, she led a, a, a woman to Christ, uh, a while ago named Partisha. And she might actually be willing to go to a church on a Sunday, but she has no car and she has five kids and she's a single mom. So it's really, really difficult, especially during right now, just the pandemic. So we were like, all right, Partisha, you and your five kids and us, we're going to be church Amen. and your home because you can't get to one. She participates. She participates. Yeah, she does. And, and <laughs> Please, you know, actually Doug. after a while, she's, she's helping to lead a lot of those parts. And actually uh, her, her 12 year old daughter keeps her on track. She's like, what's the discovery Bible study again? And her daughter's like, we got to start by asking, what do you learn about God? It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. But not only that, but, but Particho was like, well, you, Sarah reached me by coming and praying for me and sharing the gospel. Let's do that in my apartment complex too. And so we're out gospel sharing in her apartment complex, meeting another guy um, who just recently said he started following Jesus, but he was in jail for a while, came out and he said, you know, what? I had a hunger for God when I was in jail, but everyone that I met, I just feel like they weren't really following God. Like I thought, like maybe like they just wanted money or he thought they were hypocrites, which, you know, we're all hypocrites. So I don't know, but he just basically is saying, I'm not going to come to that church on Sunday, but you know, he's like, I would love to study the Bible with you guys. Like, yeah, let me come to your house. Let me do this with you guys. There you, go. you know, and I, I think that shows the importance, not, you know, two examples of people who just, for some reason, either aren't willing to, aren't able to come so to, to. So to piggyback on that, I got a, I, um, Sunday, the church that meets in my home right before it, I got a, um, I got a text message from a young man that, um, um, basically thrown out homeless, right? Um, no place, no place to go. Okay. And, um, in that community, um, there's a church that meets two, um, two gentlemen, in the community that have a home church in the university mall area. Okay. So there's a guy that has no oikos, but you're obeying. He's come to faith. He's been baptized, but he's homeless. Well, how does Matthew 25 fit into that? I was, I was homeless. I was, I had nowhere to go and you took me in. So now, man, that guy is just assimilated inside of that. Those two other people that are meeting following that three-thirds process, identifying as church, and there's like an orphan that's not an orphan anymore that's been taken in mm -hmm. that's going to learn that same stuff to be a disciple that makes disciples and multiplies churches. That's the same thing in North Carolina as it is in Florida Florida, till every tribe, nation, language, and tongue knows. And that's what's cool about this podcast, and we are representatives of that church as brothers, as I would say co-laborers and elders over different areas from Blue Ridge, Georgia, to Kentucky, to Florida, to North Carolina, all doing the same stuff, obeying and training others and connecting community, all those seven principles, patterns and principles, coalescing together. And Jesus is building his church. 
I, I would also add, I mean, I, and I'm all for family. I mean, you know, you can't have six children and not be pro family. Um, and I got um, five, you're one ahead of me. Bro. Yeah. And, but you know, like when our, our, our youngest son and his family left and I'll be honest as a granddad, one of my goals has been that when my grandchildren leave, they cry because they've had so much fun in our family. And that's what happened. One of our granddaughters just broke down crying because she didn't want to leave. So uh, sometimes I think we have to have a balance. We, we are a family. We're also an army. Mm-hmm. And there, there needs to be deployment into new areas. We're, we're here to conquer, um, you know, for the kingdom of God. And, some, um, and we, we're, we're, we're a body. We're an army. We're, we are a family. And we're kind of all, all mixed. And so sometimes even as the family – we understand sacrifice for the sake of, of um, the kingdom of God. And, Amen, and uh, so that's, uh, so I kind of yeah. having that, that twist. And the- eyes to see where the kingdom is not. That's what I love, Burke. I'm listening to your sir. Eyes to see where the kingdom is not and deploying to there. I got this from a guy recently that we did on the podcast, but we hosted Jim McKnight from No Place Left Army. And he uh, taught me three things. He said, he says, we have to know ourselves. We have to know our terrain and we have to know our enemy. And it is, he wants to advance that verse that you use through churches and the church to where the kingdom is not and to see the kingdom come there. So this has been great, man. I'm like, I'm super excited. This is the best part of my day, Burke. Yeah, and I think that might be might be a good place to wrap it up with that that uh, metaphor. I've heard it say said kind of with the army metaphor. Uh, I believe it was Curtis Sargent said uh, every every soldier is a rifleman, or every every yeah every soldier is a rifleman. Basically, that same kind. It's just another way of saying like everyone has to be able to do it themselves. They can't just pass it on to someone else, you know, uh, or before they pass it on to someone else rather. And so I think that's a good way to wrap up our topic of uh, obeying and training others. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, take to heart what Burke said at the beginning. James said, you know, be doers of the word, not just hearers. Amen. So if you are listening to this podcast, there's a lot of resources at the uh, online or just get in touch with someone that's close to you that uh, is trying to multiply disciples in churches and learn how to obey yourself. And as you're doing that, train others as well. How are you making more disciples? What problems have you encountered? What successes have you celebrated? What questions do you have? Share your stories with us by visiting moredisciples.com contact. If you're looking for next steps on growing your ability to make and multiply disciples, visit moredisciples.com to find resources, tools, and events all designed to help you make more disciples. 